Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the third sermon in our church's Saved by God series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is Chris Stallings. It's my privilege to get to pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. We're in the season of Lent, the 40 days between Ash Wednesday and the Saturday before Easter. In these 40 days, it's a chance for us to focus on fasting, on spiritual renewal. A fasting practice helps us break free from the kind of physical dependence or the temptation to rely on the physical and allows us to renew or fully rely upon our trust in Jesus. Our sermon series this Lent season is entitled saved by God and it's intended to help followers of Jesus journey through the season of Lent as you seek that saving help from God. Our key verse for the series comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2 and it reads for God says at just the right time I heard you on the day of salvation I helped you indeed the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. So in part two of our sermon series, Saved by God, we look to what God wants to do. Save your soul. Save your soul. Do you remember the most difficult decision you've had to make in your life? I think there's some tough ones, right? Have you ever thought about sometimes that indecisions or during decisions, having a lot of choices actually makes it worse, right? Don't have a choice about it. Got to have this surgery. There ain't no choice about it. Just got to do it, right? Make it easy. Well, you could do this, this, or this. And you're like, what do you got to do? Like, if you try to buy a house, you go to shop for the mortgage. There's like a thousand banks and, you know, a and mortgage lenders and sometimes like realtor just tell me which one do you recommend right you just take that here you go to buy a car and you have to choose from the hundreds of models with the thousand options it just it can make the decision making process even harder and for you players maybe you had to choose between who you're going to ask to the prom right Amanda or Ashley, Jessica or Jennifer, or maybe Sarah or Stephanie, right? Not many of y'all had that many choices, I know, but I've made some big decisions in my life. Which college and major to pursue? Who to marry? Where to live? What job to take? How to manage my money? But one of the biggest, in fact, the biggest decision And one that I didn't make until I was 30 was the decision to trust in Jesus for salvation. My delay in hindsight was twofold. One, I was born with a sin nature like everyone. And that sin nature pushes against that decision. Ah. 
The second thing is I incorrectly weigh the pros and cons of putting my faith in Jesus. Right? I weigh too heavy, maybe the cons, and too lightly the pros. Most people struggle with decisions. Do you struggle with decisions? Right? When there are multiple options, we can get what's called analysis paralysis. You heard that, right? Where you're like, just got to get all, you know, and you spin on and on and on. Or either you may have the fear of missing out. Well, if I pick that, I'll miss this, right? Or just the fear of making the wrong decision. Where you're like, I don't want to deal with the consequences or the blame. If I just blame it on somebody else, well, I didn't have a choice about it, right? A recent article by John Tierney shares his research about what's called decision fatigue. It says the more choices you make throughout the day, the harder each one becomes. Your brain eventually looks for shortcuts in one of two ways. One shortcut is to just act recklessly, to be impulsive because you don't want to spend any energy, just decide something like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and post that picture on social media. What could go wrong? <laughs> the other alternative or shortcut is the ultimate energy saver where we just say, I won't do anything or let indecision be our decision. So you having options can make the decision-making process hard. And we, as humans, as frail humans, as human nature that's fallen, the world gives us infinite options, it would seem. But deciding to follow Jesus simplifies every other decision. Chasing all of that the world has to offer pushes us to make the wrong decision and ignore or not choose Jesus even in spite of its eternal consequences. But if we choose Jesus, our decisions get simpler because he's our guide. Well, today we're going to look at a passage in the Bible's New Testament book of Mark. If you got your Bible, a physical Bible, a Bible on your phone or if you downloaded the worship guide we're going to look to Mark chapter 8 and we're going to see a, an encounter between Jesus and one of his closest followers Peter as Jesus begins to foreshadow or predict what he'll go through in his arrest and his death and ultimate resurrection Peter is confronted with the decision do I want to journey through that with you Right, if you look at Peter and other parts of his life, this is a real concern for him. So we're going to look now to Mark chapter 8. I'm going to begin reading verse 31. We'll go down through 38. I'll read the New Living or NLT, New Living Translation, if you want to set that and follow along word for word. Mark 8 verse 31. Then Jesus began to tell them, that the Son of Man, that was a name Jesus used for himself, the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. And as he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Verse 33. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples and then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan. 
He said, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. Verse 34, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and the sake of the gospel, Jesus says, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say... This passage talks about this decision Peter had that we have as to whether or not we'll put our faith in Jesus and follow him to be saved. And it deals with the pros and cons of that. Peter was weighing those pros and cons, right? The pros are we're going to get to, you know, keep living like we've been. We're going to have to give up something. It's a decision we likely wrestle with too. So in verse 36, Jesus lays it out for him. He says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? You see, to be saved by Jesus is not to benefit necessarily in this world. To be saved. This week I was trying to look up some references, some illustrative points for what it means to be saved. And when I clicked on like images or searched by images, the ones that came up for saved, 90% of them had to do with money. This is if we kind of look to money. When we don't have it, it's our greatest fear. And if we do have it, sometimes it's our greatest vice. And chasing money is the one of the greatest temptations to pursue gaining the whole world even at the risk of our own soul. And Jesus says it's irrational to pursue the world instead of God. To pursue the world by chasing promotions, to chase get-rich-quick schemes, or to rob God of his tithe to the church. In Proverbs 21.5, and other times throughout the Bible, God lays out simple wisdom for how you can get by and have provision in this world. Work hard. Right? Work hard. Plan and save. Some of us are spending so much trying to get money. It just takes a little bit. Did you know that if you would save $100 a month from your 25th birthday, whenever you turn 65, save and invest $100 a month, you'd have a million dollars. And we're running around doing everything to chase and get ahead and it just takes a little bit. Following God's wisdom, work hard, plan and save and you'd have it. And that contrast, if you look up the average American at 65, no, the median American, for you statistics experts, the median American, Right now, at 65, has $70,000 in their 401k. Just simple, work hard, 
plan safe. God will provide and yet we do so much trying to chase all of that in our life that we risk and sometimes have given up our soul. Don't do that. Follow God's advice. Right? Just do the simple stuff. Retire a millionaire and give up chasing the world and start getting about the soul work God has for you. In this passage, it's important to note the contrast between gain and loss and between world and soul or the physical and the spiritual. You see, in that era and sometimes today, there's this thing called pantheism where we try to say everything is God, right? And so if I'm chasing the world, well, that's good because God created the world. So I'm just, you know, you hear that in sometimes. The pocket dictionary of theological terms says that belief that God and the universe are essentially identical is, is not what Christians believe. There's a separation of the physical and the spiritual. And Lent or fasting is a season for us to give that up. Right? A thing or food. To where we say, you know what, I'm going to realize that. I'm not going to deny that I'm human. You're still human, but your power doesn't come from your humanness. Your power comes from your reliance on God. And so when you fast or you give up something in the season of Lent, you declare, I'm not beholden to flesh. I'm not beholden to the world. I am beholden to God. So don't chase the world. Follow God's provision and set about the soul work God designs for you to do. The question or the simple decision is will you sell your soul for this life or you give up this life for your eternal soul? Let's look now at this passage in a bit more depth to see how God saves you in order to save your so, if you got your worship bulletin or the online worship guide, I invite you to follow along with these points. Number one, say, not today, Satan. Any of y'all ever use that? Anybody got the t-shirt? No. I tried to get one of those and wear it today. Yeah, it's a fun saying, right? Because we have that power. Jesus gives us that power. Not today, Satan. Mark 8. 33. He's talking to Peter. Jesus says, get away from me, Satan. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. See, Jesus responds to Peter's rebuke. Peter's like, what are you doing, Jesus? You won't give up all this good we're doing. Go to that cross and this will be all gone. You're wasting your life. <laughs> Jesus says, hey, come here, Peter. He rebukes him, kind of lands a haymaker on Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He says that to Peter. And Satan, if you look up this term, Satan, it's a literal proper name for the devil. The principal supernatural evil being, according to the low and Nydia lexicon. This rebuke is at least a deep insult to Peter. A challenge to him it says, Peter, I, I'm friends with you, but I'm not going to give up the purpose God has for me. It indicates Peter's an adversary or working against what God has for him. It's not saying Peter is the devil, right? Or even demon possessed. But it did condemn Peter's choice, right? Peter's like, I kind of like what we got going on here. I'm not sure I want to see you get arrested and lose what I've got kind of at stake for being your follower. 
Peter thought his way was the better way. A way to maintain the, the good, miracles, the teaching, even the fellowship they had with Jesus. But Jesus declared his intentions were to fully live into God's mission or the good news purpose for his life. A decision against the flesh, right? There was real suffering in Jesus' torture. There was real suffering in his death on the cross. And so Jesus had a choice to pick to get out of that or to go through that to fulfill God's purpose. You face a similar decision to give up the pursuit of world in order to follow Jesus. Setting your mind a decision to follow Jesus. A contrast the decision to follow the flesh. We face those. Everybody in the world faces those. Do you know that more people regret their flesh or worldly following decisions than do the good decisions? A recent psychological today study revealed that self-destruction decisions such as starting an addiction or doing something that results in harm were more often than not evaluated negatively. Over 50% said, I wish I'd never done that. Right? Acting impulsively or living into wrong. By contrast, close to 90% of those that are developmental decisions such as pursuing religion were evaluated positively, right? So even the world, those that are not yet followers of Jesus, see, it's a better decision when you make the right one. You see, the devil is sitting around trying to peddle a dollar bag of potato chips to give up your eternal feast with God in heaven. That's kind of a weighty comparison, right? The devil's like, ah, take this little thing right now, chase it. We'll call it important in this life and you'll give all your time and energy and, and give up your soul. And Jesus, don't do that. Is anything worth more than your soul? Say, not today, Satan. I ain't buying what you're peddling. I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to take the right decision. I took that decision. Many of you have taken that decision, but it's a decision that we often take day by day. Right? I'm going to stay with that decision to follow Jesus. Say, not today, Satan. Number two, take Jesus over self. Take Jesus over self. Verse 34 says, Then, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Decisions, 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 right? You get free will. We believe God's given you a free will to decide. God doesn't come in and make you follow Jesus. Jesus doesn't jerk you by the ear and say, come on, you got to follow me. He says, you're invited to follow me, but there's a condition to that. If you follow me, you must give up yourself. Not only did Peter get rebuked by Jesus or called Satan by Jesus, now Jesus is calling the crowd in him. Said, "All right, everybody, come around. I got to use Peter as my teaching element." Anybody ever been the subject like that? Don't <laughs> But it builds from the struggle that Peter was having. 
Right? To choose between the known, the earthly gain, even what feels like good over what God had intended to be the ultimate good. A good that had eternal consequences for all of humanity. Imagine if Jesus listened to Peter. No, you're right, Peter. I'm going to give up the cross. Give up that resurrection thing. Let's just keep doing this thing. And all humanity had been lost. Your choice may not impact all of humanity, but it does have an impact on you. An impact on your spouse if you're married. An impact on your kids if you have kids. An impact on those you work with. On those that you go to church with. And the decision can be, feel just as difficult. It's hard to forego the reality, the tangible for the unseen and future. But there's an if-then proposition. Jesus doesn't force you to give up this life. But he does say, if you follow me, you must give up your way. To experience being saved, to experience saving your soul, you must give up yourself. So choose Jesus or self. And to be saved, take Jesus over self. Number three. Give your life for the gospel. Give your life for the gospel. Mark 8, 35 says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life, for my sake, Jesus says, and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. You see earlier in this passage, verse, verse we read, verse 31, Jesus is talking about his path to the cross, his death, his arrest, his death, and his resurrection. If you look later in Mark in chapter 16, you see he did it. He said, this is what I'm going to do, which you might predict something. I predicted scores exactly right before, right? Well, that might be luck. It might be just intelligence. But Jesus said, I'm going to die and I'm going to be resurrected from that. Ain't nobody done that before or since, right? And so that's the basis of our faith. It's the basis of why we say, if he did that, we can believe everything, right? Because he's got the power of God working in him. That's the gospel work of Jesus. That's the basis for your salvation, for the salvation of everyone. The supernatural work of God on display to give us faith in which we can put our trust to say, I will give up my life. I will give up what looks like the better, more beneficial decision for the eternity decision of the gospel. This verse is governed by two contrasting causation statements kind of if then right the first says if you wish to save your life it'll have the effect you will lose it so if you cling to this earthly life and put that as the number one priority you will lose your soul the contrasting statement is if you give up your life for Jesus and the gospel it has the effect that you will save it y'all remember studying any English teachers in here Good. I can say this without having a... Y'all remember irony in English? 
right? In literary terms, it's like whenever you say something, but the exact opposite happens, sort of. I looked it up in the dictionary. Merriam-Webster says, is expresses something other than, and especially the opposite of the literal meaning, or the opposite of what expected happens. In other words, you don't expect if you give up your life that you'll gain eternal life. But that's what Jesus says here. Too many of us Christians are trying to make up our own cause and effect. We're trying to save our life and gain eternal life. Trying to gain the whole world and save our soul. We're trying to get the devil's dollar bag of potato chips and have the eternal feast with Christ in heaven. This Lent, would you join Jesus in making that decision saying, get behind me, Satan. Not today, Satan. Would you give up yourself and take Christ? Would you take on the purpose of Christ's gospel in your life and in the lives of others that you would be a part of that good news kingdom work of Jesus? That others might also not risk their soul. Give your life for the gospel. Let's pray. God, thank you so very much for this good news. Thank you for <laughs> your honesty when we've lived like Peter lived, where we tried to make your gospel into our gospel for our benefit or just to have it our way. God, I pray that you would help us have the courage to see our lives and to say, not today, Satan. I'm about the plans of Jesus. Give us the courage to give ourselves, give up ourselves. Even if it's hard. If we're fasting, when we're hungry, if we're giving up something that's destructive. God, we realize those things are tempting in our life. And so we give those to you now. Would you fill us with the strength of your Holy Spirit to do the right thing, to follow you even when it's hard? For the ultimate purpose of your good news work in our lives. For the gospel work that you do through the church and through all of us, we and others might be saved. It's in Jesus' holy and powerful and resurrected name I pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again and God bless.